in the heart of Beer City, USA. Two men, one journey, to create a sports show unlike any other. Unfiltered, raw, and honest. One of them played a soccer goalie opposite Ben Stiller. The other, one scored six points on Steph Curry. These guys know their sh- Let's go! Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green, The Sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. Low prices, love the savings. Well, welcome into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. I'm Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green is alongside Sportsocracy, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, and now seen everywhere on the YouTube stream, thesportsocracy.com. Click on the live video link, and uh, do not forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get into the chat. The easiest way to get in touch with us immediately. Plus, today you're going to be able to cast your vote for the most overrated bands bracket. We are still in the Sweet 16 here. We're now on the uh, right side of the bracket with the Beatles going up against the Dixie Chicks. This one's not even difficult to me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Dixie Chicks all the way, right? Not oh, even gosh. kind of. Your Beatles hatred continues to baffle me, but you can vote today all throughout the program. So uh, there is that. We will talk some basketball. we got the NCAA tournament starting uh, back up again, the Sweet 16. Tonight, four games tonight, and tomorrow night, we got the North Carolina Tar Heels in action. So... It is, um, of course, a Thursday, 4 o'clock. We're going to talk to Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, who's going to get us all set for the big showdown with UCLA coming up tomorrow night. You'll hear that right here on ESPN Asheville. We also, of course, will be recapping the maddening game that was the Baylor game in the, uh, the round of 32. We'll give you our best bets for the Sweet 16 as well coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Talk about uh, who's left out there in free agency. Yes, if you were hurt, if you're listening to the top of the hour Sports Center update, there are, there's there's a new development in the Deshaun Watson situation, and I, to me, the number one story of the day is we're we're done, right? We've got our last big hurdle, at least as it comes to the continental United States, as far as it goes with. The coronavirus issues. Oh, I mean, if New York's done with it, I think we can all universally say, and it is decided. See, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, you still got Canada. You, you've got you've got Canada. Canada's, Canada's borderline done. Toronto has Have fans they opened, in the crowd tonight, but they've opened up the border and everything, and I unvaccinated I, guys can go back and forth. See, that's the that's the thing I, that do I look political. No, <laughs> no, I can tell you, there's fans in the crowd tonight. Uh, and there's a specific reason that I can tell you that, and you'll find that out later on the show. <laughs> right. We'll have Jeremy's picks of the night coming up later on to later on in the program. And did you get a game right last night? Yeah, I was one and three last night. One and three last night. Okay. Uh, everyone. The Miami Heat were so agitated at each other they started fighting each other. That's right. That's right. Uh, but the big news out of New York today is that the uh, the mayor up there has uh, given an exemption to all performers and players for uh, New York franchises that they can now be unvaccinated and play at home. So the NBA world just all crazy because Kyrie Irving coming back, full-time player now, going to make his season debut at home coming up on Sunday against the Charlotte Hornets, which I don't like that. 
I like that a lot, uh, seeing as how the Charlotte Hornets struggle to play defense. And you know, the one thing that the Brooklyn Nets do very, very well is score the basketball, as was uh, on display in their last game. Didn't 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 uh, Kyrie and KD combine for like 80 points last night? Something like that? Uh, they did. There's only one problem. They got smoked like a honey ham. <laughs> That's the thing I don't understand. Why this is such a big deal to people. Kyrie Irving being able to play at home does not change anything about the prognosis of the Nets. He's still been playing on the road. Mm-hmm. Played last night. Mm-hmm. Was real good last night. Yep. And without Ja Morant, the Grizzlies smoked them. And there's a very simple reason why. They couldn't defend the chair I'm sitting in. Mm-hmm. Changes nothing. You're st- okay. So you'll go into the playoffs. I'm, I'm just looking at the standings as they sit right now. As of right now, they would be the eight. I'm going to say that's not going to continue. They probably wind up somewhere in the neighborhood of the five. As I would say, they're better than the Bulls now. They're better than the Cavaliers, and I would say they're better than the Raptors. Okay. So you'll avoid the play-in. You have to play the Celtics. I don't like the chances of you going into Boston and winning at all. I don't think you can beat Boston. But even if you did, you would still have to go through the heat on the road, the 76ers on the road. And by on the road, I mean they have home court advantage. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do it. I don't care. Whoa. Best case. The the coronavirus was not what was keeping them from an NBA title anyway. Best case scenario for the Brooklyn Nets. Go to the Eastern Conference Finals and get dusted like an old piece of furniture by the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. I still, I still feel like that it, it doesn't, it doesn't change the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference because to me, it all still rolls through James Harden and Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, I, I'm not the NBA historian, but I, I have to imagine this is like one of the best mid-season pickups in NBA history. It's certainly up there. I can't tell you it's the best one in NBA history, but yeah. it's very high. Yeah, I, there's just something that works really, really well with that team yeah one you you got a player around joel Embiid that can shoot good for you i'm glad it took you four years to figure that out but i mean this to me this changes nothing Mm -hmm. looking at the east now i would still take the heat over them uh because you're gonna have jimmy butler on kevin durant kyle lowry on kyrie irving advantage heat because i have no idea how you're gonna stop bam Adebayo. Mm mm-hmm last night notwithstanding last night was an aberration you were asking did you get one right it, well i got news for you i don't think many people would have been on the side of miami getting no. destroyed by the that warriors team it's the fun of the nba it makes it absolutely infuriating to wager on it does for jeremy's best bets of the night uh coming up and the green on green at the end of this hour and then of course in the five on it in the four o'clock hour but uh yeah the big news today new york city mayor eric adams announcing this exemption for the home players they'll be able to play unvaccinated and that not only translates to obviously kyrie irving being able to play at home in brooklyn but also to the baseball side to the new york yankees to the new york mets he was actually at the mets uh, stadium today making the announcement that and, and and saying the three words that i've wanted to hear somebody you know higher up in one of these giant cities say for a long time we are here we are here for the end of all of this 
It has been the longest, most arduous two-year road in sports history. And I'm thankful that we that we are here. So thank you to uh, the New York mayor for making uh, that announcement. Didn't make us wait too long, though. Oh, yeah. They are going to have to wait their turn. Yeah, two, two days, days later. later. <laughs> yeah, your turn came up quickly. Exactly. So we are here. We are past it, and we are moving on. Does it change the uh, the, the 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 makeup of the Eastern Conference or the, uh, the the destiny that is to be the Eastern Conference in the playoffs? I don't really think so. I've never thought that the Brooklyn Nets were the favorite. Oh, they're certainly not the favorite. And Vegas is just stealing money from people. I, I I haven't looked to see what the numbers done today, but I am sure it's moved. And it makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. I, I love that when you can't play at home turned into well, this just changes everything. No, it it doesn't. You're still in the same better than average boat. Mm-hmm. I would still take Milwaukee over them. I would obviously take Philadelphia over them. I'd take Miami over them. Agreed. And I think them and Boston would play dead up seven game series. Yeah. Toss up as to who wins in game seven. Yeah. It's in Boston, so I would lean Boston. The media types are just swayed by the the, the star power. The star power of the names is what makes all of this, you know, makes all of this run, makes all of this more interesting. Kyrie Irving, KD. You can't, you know, you can't deny, and I'm not trying to deny those guys anything. They're amazing NBA basketball players, but together, there's just something, something about that just does not work. Yeah, nobody. And they're never going to, and they're never going to get uh, Ben Simmons back. I don't think. I don't care if they do. <laughs> he still can't shoot, right? I mean, you got seven games left in the regular season, and we're still waiting for any sign that Ben Simmons is going to be back. And I've heard nothing. It's been complete crickets, as far as I as far as I know. I, everything I've heard, is he should be ready sometime during the playoffs. No timetable. No right. And with Ben Simmons, I'm not even vaguely surprised by that. If he comes back and joins them midstream in the playoffs, do you like him a little better? Now you're better than Boston. That's the only, and that's even fractionally. Mm-hmm. That would give you somebody to put on. That will give you somebody to put on Jason Tatum, which would obviously be advantageous. Right. Jalen Brown would destroy you. No. Now we're almost to the stage of the NBA playoffs. Like I said, I think I heard last night during the Hornets game that there were uh, seven games left in the regular season. Next one coming up on Sunday as uh, the Hornets will be in Brooklyn to take on uh, Kyrie and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets in his home debut the other big story of the day coming out of the nfl and the cleveland browns might be in a tight spot here because the the, the, uh, apparently there is a second grand jury now that is looking at a new charge of sexual assault against deshaun watson which they knew going in this is man it must be a slow news day thursday because they already knew that yeah and if they had any fear that something was going to come of that, this wouldn't have happened. 
Well, I think part of that, I mean, does does part of that not play into the fact that they gave him the the ba- the one million dollar base salary for the year, okay. just in I case wanna, he missed I, it? I want to talk about that because I have listened to four different talking heads that do what we do, mm-hmm. who basically might as well been wearing T shirts that said, "I don't understand how the salary cap works." Okay, what did that play into it? Absolutely, mm-hmm. it absolutely did. If you guarantee. $230 million, I would wager his base salary is never going to be much because then you can play with the numbers. You can make this whatever you want to, that this was the Cleveland Browns circumventing the salary cap, and they should be embarrassed. I'm verbatim repeating words I've heard about this. Really? They should be embarrassed, and the NFL should find them. Blah, 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 blah. You could have just screamed, I don't understand how the salary cap works, and been done. Just mm-hmm. walked away. And some of them have national shows, which literally makes blood pool in my ears, and I can feel it pressing against one of my headphones. <laughs> Apparently, this uh, this new case uh, is going before a grand jury. We don't know anything about it. it. Again, we're not lawyers. We're not involved in the cases. We're not doing the investigation. It just, you know, it sprung up on it sprung up on the the populace today as it started hitting the major news wires. And there's a lot of this reaction going on. Oh, yeah, see the Cleveland Browns. They really did their due diligence, didn't they? Yeah, havoc in our YouTube stream comments. When you make really, really smart observations, you don't even have to super chat them. I'll just and repeat them. How do people forget the security teams that every NFL team has? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I ask that question no less than 10 times a year. Let let me tell you a a little secret about how the, the back channels of this work. I am a low-level draft scout that does things for a bunch of different websites and obviously the stuff we do. I have a guy that used to work for the FBI. Mm-hmm. I do. On speed dial, and he answers every single time I call. What do you think he does with the Cleveland Browns? Right. Of course they knew this. Mm-hmm. Of course they knew. It also makes me laugh that how do you think they assemble grand juries? Like, just, everybody get together right now. He got traded. We must do this now. So ridiculous. Now, the merits of it, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. As you said, not a lawyer, not a cop. I have no idea. But they're obviously comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Because you want to talk about the greatest egg-on-your-face decision in the NFL history? If he actually were to face criminal charges, which would then merit him being suspended by the league, because that's how that's written. All right, so now you're going to miss him for half a year at the minimum. That would be the biggest disaster in NFL history. Might be the biggest disaster in sports history. And I'm and I and, and I think that had it been any other team than the Cleveland Browns, people wouldn't have this concern. They, oh no, they would. They would completely think that yeah, they did their due diligence. But because it's the Cleveland Browns, they think nah, they're they're running a shoddy organization. In which they're not. No, they're not. It's a completely different ball game in Cleveland now. But I have thought it is, you know, hilarious that people are one surprised that the Cleveland Browns had like, you know, private investigators hired to go search into all this. Well, of course they did. Two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed and three first round draft picks and all the things that you gave up. Yeah, I'm going to protect that investment. Let me, uh, just to take this one step further. Okay. This is not the same person I was just referring to. This is a story I know intimately from the organization that I very closely follow. Do you remember when Florida State had, 
uh, the the Peter Warwick Lavernius Coles issue, where they got clothing from Dillard's, the NCAA found out, and Peter Warwick wound up playing in the national title game, but Lavernius Coles didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, the Jets wound up drafting Lavernius Coles. Let me tell you the depths that they went to character eval him. They interviewed his middle school girlfriend. They dated when he was in the seventh grade. Right. They hadn't spoken since he was a freshman in high school. They flew to talk to her. Right. I promise you they knew. But why didn't they reach out to the attorney of all these women? I I couldn't tell you if they did. Well, that's the claim. The claim is that from the attorney of the women, they they never called. Well, if you're to a grand jury, basically all of the fact finding would come from the prosecution. That's what I would think. Or the or his defense attorney. It's Mm -hmm. called discovery. I don't know if you've never watched Blue Bloods or any other true crime show that you get inundated with. Right. I just the, the way that people's minds work, you can't think this through. Like. Obviously, if there was going to be something about this, do you think that the Cleveland Browns for a single second would want people to know that they were considering making this move? Which he would have told. The the lawyer would have told the public. That's not how that goes. Really? No, that's not how that goes. Have you ever heard of a thing called lawyer-client confidentiality Mm -hmm. for them to release it? Because it would be Deshaun's lawyer that released it. Not the the defense attorney. One side can't have information, the other one doesn't. That's not how this works. He would have to tell them, yeah, you can release this information to them. It's not like he's going to be sitting outside the the prosecutor's office like, hey, would you like to talk to me? (laughs) Two things people don't really seem to understand. The NFL salary cap and how the legal system works. How the works. legal system works. No, that's fine. We're on, uh, you know, we're we're all on Facebook now. We all have our uh, oh, legal yeah. degrees. Yeah, fact finding. We all know how it works. We got fact checkers on Facebook. That's plenty. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all you need these days. On right? radio, you couldn't see this if you're watching our YouTube stream. I literally think I just Undertaker rolled my eyes in the back of my head. He did. It was quite impressive. You're in the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community, one that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. The underdog, the long shot, the nobody from nowhere, never gonna happen, 100 to one shot. We know something about that. We're with you every step of the way. This week at Ingalls, select 6 to 12 count Laurel and Cuddly Soft Bath Tissue, $3.98 each. Select sizes and varieties Kellogg's Frosted Flakes or Fruit Loop Cereal, two for $4. And select sizes and varieties Tide Laundry Detergent, $12.98 each. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. And welcome back in to the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville, live from the from the Ingles Studio, and we've got the overrated bands bracket Sweet Sixteen matchup of the day in the comments on the YouTube stream. 
Remember, go to thesportocracy.com, click on the live video link, subscribe to the channel. You too can vote in the poll today. Is it the Beatles more overrated? Not a chance. By quite a deal. You're an idiot. Quite a great deal. (laughs) Or the Dixie Chicks. I think people struggle with the word overrated. How is a band you have not heard from in 10 years overrated? Oh, that's not true. They've got a new album out. Uh, which is available at what? Dollar General? Uh, you can buy that at uh-huh. your local flea market? Uh huh. I, mean, I don't claim to be all up on what the kids do nowadays. I got mock drafts to put out. You, you, get, you ask me about, tra- by the way, I have to say this. Yeah? I have to take my victory lap. Oh. Because we had a series of people you're a moron when you said Trayvon Walker's going one to the Jaguars. Yeah. Who'd they just schedule a private workout with? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that every mock draft you see now either has him going one or two? I don't pull these things out of my own hat. Like, I just, I'm just going to guess. I don't think I've seen him any lower than five in a mock he draft in the last few days. He will lower than five. He will not go. He will go ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau. I will bet you anything you want. Mm-hmm. Anything. Short of he decides to cut his own hand off in the next month, he will go ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. Because I think Kayvon Thibodeau was answering questions in a way that not exactly what you should do in a job interview, from what I have been told. Yeesh. Vote right now in the uh, most overrated bands bracket Sweet 16 matchup. We get the big guy. The Beatles, 58% to the Dixie Chicks, 42%. Winning. Oh, my gosh. You're all wrong. I don't know how this is so hard for you. Uh, I come come from a biased standpoint, though. I was raised on Beatles music, and there is no greater band in the history of music than the Beatles. And there's why they're the winner. You literally just laid out the case. Here's why you should go youtube.com click on our little beer mug logo and vote for the beatles greatest band of all time and it's not even relatively close vote now at the sportsocracy.com uh now jeremy we've got a lot of uh, a lot of things have been going on in free agency nothing nothing popping off today obviously that's why we, finally uh, that's why we you know led the show with Kyrie irving uh, that's the big news of the day, but finally a day to kind of catch your breath on the off season that has been, and I'm seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, a, a lot of the media talking heads and writers out there trying to make sense of what has happened in free agency. You still have no clear overall winner. Oh no, the clear winner is the Chargers. That's never stopped being the case. Oh, okay. Since day one of free agency, they were the winner. I don't care if they signed me for $10 million. You still win. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, winner. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins are up there. There's a series of teams that have done really well. Right. Now, if you want to know why I was so hard on the Miami Dolphins, uh, at 5 o'clock today, in the spot where our happy hour would usually be, will be uh, the beginning of the AFC West mock drafts, and you can see what the Kansas City Chiefs would get if I was their GM. And it's a lot. It is a lot. It, it, it is so much that it makes you look at it and go, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, because they, there's, two, there's two kinds of teams in the NFL. There are teams that have a base nucleus set, 
which basically is the quarterback and every player around them that's on a rookie deal. Everything else is just discretionary parts. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill goes away. Okay, I, I promise you they'll find a way to replace him. It's not going to be Juju Smith-Schuster and Josh Gordon. Agreed. But this team is going to reload. They're going to continue to be uh, at the top of the AFC, despite the fact that they don't have a splashy offseason move to make. you got 12 picks coming up in this 2022 NFL draft because of the trade with Tyreek Hill. I, I see them as a clear winner in that scenario. And I know there are people who will disagree and say, you know. I don't think like, there's like, a loser. But but you have to look at the ni- dynamic between the two teams. Rob Johnson just asked in the comments, why were my Jets even considering that? For the same reason the Dolphins were. Because if you don't have an elite quarterback, you better have elite things around him. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think the Dolphins were losers. I just don't think it's going to do what everybody else does. I don't lose my mind on a receiver. It's one thing when it's a receiver that's the best receiver in the NFL that's playing beside the best slot receiver in the NFL that's playing beside the best tight end in the NFL and has a top 12 quarterback. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Is Tua Tonga Vailoa? Uh, I mean, okay. That, that gives him the best chance to succeed. It also puts a timer on him. Oh, that, no That's doubt. an expiration date. Mm-hmm. Tua's now a carton of milk. If you don't consume it by this date, it's bad. So it has a, another 10 months to prove itself, mm-hmm. like I said yesterday. You got time to prove yourself or else you may become next year's Baker Mayfield. Find yourself without a home and nobody wants you. Of which I think Baker Mayfield is like one day away from asking if he can be a PA on this show because nobody wants you. <laughs> I feel pretty certain he would have a better fallback plan. I'm not as sure of that. You don't think so? There's a lot of people that think he will have free agency interest. I keep hearing Pittsburgh. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To be the backup to Mitch Trubisky? He's not going to be a backup anywhere. Mm-hmm. If he's not the clear-cut starter, you're not bringing him in. Because he falls into that. There are wackadoodles that do not understand he is not good at this game that will scream from the rooftops no matter what happens that you would be in a better shape if he was the starter. He would be nowhere near a rookie. This is not Sam Darnold who can sit behind Kenny Pickett or or start in place of him, whatever the case may be, for a year. Mm-hmm. This is not the same scenario. This is the, this is Cam Newton 2.0. There is 10% of your fan base that does not understand that he is not good at this game in spite of all of the things that have told you differently. I'm still at Seattle. That That's the one that makes the most sense. But the only way that deal is getting done is if Cleveland's going to pay his salary or just cut him which they would still have to pay the salary. But there can be a deal worked out there, which is like the Carolina Panthers. I feel like there would be a little tiny bit of interest if the money wasn't the problem. Less than zero. If he was free, it would be less than really? zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's get just a bit outside. Boy, you must be outside your mind. The sportsocracy. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed all right i'm gonna go back to the uh ufc well for this one we told you the story about jorge masvidal colby covington 
Jorge Masvidal breaking one of uh, Colby Covington's teeth outside of a Miami restaurant the other night. Now other UFC fighters are weighing in on this. And uh, a guy who, you know, I value his opinion uh, to some great degree in UFC circles, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, has weighed in. And he says that Colby Covington needs to be blacklisted now. Which might can might it might cause some concern for you thinking, wait a minute, wasn't it Jorge Masvidal that attacked Colby Covington? Yes, but the reason Namaga Madoff wants him to be blacklisted and for all fighters in his weight class to reject fights with him because he brought the kids into it. He started talking about Jorge Masvidal's kids and calling him a deadbeat dad and all of that, and that's what sparked Jorge Masvidal's ire, saying that I'm gonna catch you on the streets of Miami, you just wait. He did, and he made him pay for it, and he says he'll do it again, which is hilarious to me. Like, I feel like if you let that out and you tell the cops that, I mean, isn't is there something they could do to detain you a little more at that point or something? Uh, he is not in jail. He, is, he surrendered to authorities last night, did Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he is out on bail, and he is going to be facing charges for the attack. But Nurmaga Madoff says everybody needs to just turn down fights with him. Well, that's not going to happen. No. No. Now, do I think he got what he deserved for bringing the, the, the kiddos into it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much. Pretty much. And then, of course, Conor McGregor fires back and says, uh, well, you know, he'll just, he, he could just move weight classes because he's not a fatty fatterson like you are, which I feel like... Should you really be throwing shade at Khabib Nurmagomedov if you're no. Conor McGregor after no. <laughs> after that fight? It's not going to anyway. Uh, and saw where he was in trouble again today. Uh, yeah, because he can't drive. No, reckless driving. I will never understand how people with that much money get arrested for traffic violations. Why, why do you not just turn your driver's license in? Here, somebody drives me everywhere I go. Right. I pay him a lot. To just hey i have eight cocktails with dinner and i want to go out you're up yep driver please I especially think. for the guy who who was the world's what was the world's richest athlete last year he made more money last year than any other athlete which i still don't kind of understand because conor mcgregor i mean i know he has other business interests but it's not like he was fighting to earn all of that money uh, proper year. number 12 probably did just oh fine by absolutely i am a well-known jets fan which means i am a patriot hater but mm -hmm. when you do things that deserves your flowers i will happily give them to you providence head coach ed cooley is a huge new england patriots fan and now he has another reason to support his favorite nfl team robert Kraft gave providence the patriots team plane to fly to their Sweet 16 regional, which that sounds cool until you realize why that's so cool. They get to bring all the boosters. Yeah. So this is funded. They asked for $0. I don't even know if they had to pay for the gas in it. Right. It doesn't say that in the story. I doubt it. They put everybody on the plane. Ed Cooley was quoted as saying, it's New England teams supporting New England teams. Our families are able to come. Our donors are able to come. Our supporters are able to come. I really appreciate him looking out for us, given how many planes are being used for the NIT and the NCAA tournament. It was just limited. Excellent. I never thought of that. Yeah. There's only so many charter planes. Mm -hmm. And now you've got so many things that are happening that they 
become much more expensive, and they're in high demand. Yeah. So good for Robert Kraft. Absolutely. It's a finally a good story for he Robert took Kraft. A, he took a break from haunting my nightmares. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, supporting the Providence Friars, always going to be a... Uh, it's always going to be a plus mark in my book. Uh, love those guys, Ed Cooley. He deserves to. He deserves to win a national championship at some point. But I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to do it. Because I don't think. I don't think he's ever going to leave Providence. I heard that discussion happening last last week while they were playing in the tournament. They were talking about you know Ed Cooley. Why hasn't he gotten the big job? Oh, he's been a candidate for them multiple times. He pulls his name out. It's because he doesn't want it. Because he has such a good thing going out, going at Providence and seeing the videos and stuff of him going around the Providence campus and talking to everybody from, you know, the everybody from the dean on down to the guy who's, uh, you know, emptying the trash cans in the cafeteria. He just loves where he's at. All that private school money, he's got enough, you know, he's he's got everything he needs while he's there. Looking at NFL free agency, who's next? That's my question. What's the next big impact move coming? Bobby Wagner's a big domino to fall. I saw where he was visiting with the LA Rams, which, gosh. I think it's down to the Rams, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. I was down to the Rams and the Chargers, but the Cowboys seem to just be hanging around. Mm -hmm. And usually when the Habs, there's a reason why. Don't they have enough linebackers already? Mm, No. No. Using Bobby Wagner's one of those players. We we'll find a spot for you. Uh, other than that, you still got Stefan Gilmore, mm-hmm. of which that's, if from everything I've been told, that's been down to two teams for as long as I can remember. Las Vegas? It's the Raiders and the Bengals. Okay. I hope it's the. You know what? I don't even care. I, either one. I love our Raider fan friends. I love our Bengal fan friends. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather see him with Las Vegas. I probably would too because they don't have any draft capital. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati can do things in the draft. Right. Las Vegas is in a position where their options are limited. They only have five picks in the entire draft. First one's not even until the third round. And by that point, all the really good corners are going to be gone. Now, you can get developmental pieces here and there. No question. But Las Vegas needs somebody to come in and play right away. Stephon Gilmore would do that for them. Tyron Matthew is also still a really big piece. And that has just gone death silent. Mm-hmm. No real talk of where he's going. I, I I thought it was Pittsburgh. And that's quieted down now. But yeah. this, is, this is usually how free agency works. Mm-hmm. You'll have that first really intense week, and then it just slows down to a snail's pace. And as soon as the pieces start falling off, it ramps up. Well, yeah, because everybody strikes while the iron's hot. You know, you get the you, you get the, the 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 best deals out of the way, and then now it's just, what are you willing to? I don't know if settle for is the right way to say it. But no, that's probably the right way. Yeah, to say it. but like you know, the Indianapolis Colts. I still look at them and go, you still have all this money, and you haven't made any giant moves yet. Oh, I would be on the phone with Dwayne Brown right now. Mm-hmm. With Matt Ryan back behind that line, I I don't really care if it's Eric Fisher or Dwayne Brown. I've seen Dwayne Brown stay healthy for more than three consecutive weeks, so that would probably be my choice. <laughs> Fair enough, but I mean, you you also have impact wide receivers that are out there. I mean, Jarvis Landry. I know most of the talk has been about him going back to Cleveland now that the Amari Cooper deal has been done. 
which I won't be shocked by that. I won't be shocked if Jarvis Landry waits until after the draft. He wants a chance to win, mm-hmm. but he also wants to be involved. You got to say, being a receiver in an offense like that where you're so run heavy, that's got to weigh on you. Well, and now you have a quarterback, though. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to change that offense as much as people think. Really? It will be much more efficient, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to throw 45 times a game. Well, no. This is not going to look like it was in Houston. Yeah, no, you still have Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt to run out of that backfield. No, they're going to continue to be run-centric, but now your pass plays just become even harder to defend. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. I'm still expecting Rob Gronkowski is going to come back to Tampa. I just... I can't see I him. I want him to pull the great swerve and go to Cincinnati. I mean, I, I, I don't care what he does, but I'm expecting, you know, I don't, I don't know that he is really into playing without Tom Brady, but maybe he does. Maybe he wants a change for the last year of his career. Oh, I mean, if we're talking about what I really want him to do, I, I mean, I would like him to come to Asheville, North Carolina and have fatty natties with me, but that's, you know. <laughs> fatty natties. Oh, yeah, that's the. They're, Are those the big ones? The, oh, four, yeah, the 40 the, ounce? No, no, no. Those are the, 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 the wide mouths. They're yeah. the ones that you can drink in about three seconds. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm guessing you've done that several times. 100%. Yeah, of course you have. Of course you have. Uh, Derek Barnett is another name that I thought would for sure be landed somewhere by now. Has there been any rumor as to where Derek Barnett's going to land? No. He'll be a later in the process pick. Mm-hmm. Him and Jadavian Clowney are the two big edge rushers left. Yeah, and I don't see I don't I just don't see Clowney like that. Everything I've heard about Clowney is he winds up back in Seattle. Oh, okay. because he is an NFL nomad. He must be really difficult to work with. He never stays anywhere for more than 12 months. Mm-hmm. And from everything I've heard, Cleveland has no interest. In bringing him back? Nope. Really? Hey, don't worry. That offer's not coming. You you find what you need elsewhere. Hmm. I mean, he has been your punching bag for the last couple of years. I guess you've, you've just always said that he's highly overrated. Very. He's well known for something he did in college. Mm-hmm. Good for you. But after you got after you got Jarvis Landry and OBJ, the wide receiver market just falls off a cliff. It's very Julio Jones, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. That's the one. MVS is the one that I keep hearing, or I keep seeing little headlines about. Oh, you know, so and so is thinking about bringing MVS in. Well, the only problem is it's going to cost you ten million dollars a year. Which is ridiculous. Which for me, that's going to. I'm going to go full Randy Jackson and say that's a no for me, dog. Yeah, no. I would give you $10 million if you signed a 10-year deal. If you, if Juju Smith-Schuster can get uh, you know, a small base salary, but with all of those incentives. So his base salary is three twenty-five. Yeah, but or most 3. of those 25. incentives are, uh, well, you were clinically alive. $7.5 million in incentives on that deal. So it can balloon up to $10 million. That's also uh, another piece of salary cap wizardry. Mm-hmm. Because you can call anything a not likely to be achieved incentive, right? It's a smart cap. Oh yeah, magi- well, I mean, uh, at this magic. Point, the next CBA is going to have to be much more intricate. 
because the ways to work around it have gotten insane. And I don't know where it ever years and all of that. Yeah. The salary cap is right now projected to go up $30 million a year because the new TV money hits next year. Mm -hmm. So the the thoughts with, like, I'll give you an example with the Tyreek Hill deal. Tyreek Hill deal. That is really hard to say. It may actually look like a value in a year. The cap goes up $30 million. You've got Christian Kirk making $22 million. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Hearing that made me hate the, the Tyreek deal drastically less. Because he is still a high-impact weapon. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. At this point, everything I know about the cap just it gets thrown out the window because there's a new way to circumvent it. Right. Uh, I think it was Nick Wright I heard talking about the uh, the Tyreek Hill deal and that, you know, long the, the thought has always been that if you get the best player in the deal, you win the trade. You've told me that numerous times about fantasy football. That and is, he's that, that's using, a fantasy football thing. Yeah, yeah. That's not an NFL football No, no, no but he was using the same example of that's that's what the populace believes. And it's wrong. And it's wrong. Most of the worst deals that I that I can remember, the team that got the player lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Tunsil. Do, yeah. do you realize what the Dolphins, if you go down the rabbit hole, of what they actually got for Laramie Tunsil? Tell me. It was four middling players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah Igbignogany is one of them. I can't remember. Julian Davenport. Uh, they also got J- uh, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and they still have San Francisco's first rounder next year oh, for Laramie Tunsil, oh, who the Houston could... Texans would currently give you for a bag of footballs and uh, four fatty natties. So what did they use some of that capital from the Houston deal to make the Tyreek deal? The, yeah, they've made uh, moves, and it's—I mean, there were more things than that, but those right, are the right, players right. that they wound up with based off what they what they uh, acquired. What they acquired. Okay. Very good. Uh, there are still some free impact free agents left out on the market. Um, big names, but I think, you know, those of us who are a little older look at this list and go, oh, we remember the good old days when Jadavian Clowney and Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew and all these guys, not saying they can't make a difference now, but these were guys that never would have hit the market years ago. And now we're just coming into, you know, we're coming into that new era. This is the first free agency class where I'm sitting here looking at it going, oh, yeah, I remember when I graded you coming out of college. Oh, no. Yeah, that hits I'm you hard, I'm now older than it? you guys. That's, I don't like that at all. I don't like that even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that hits you hard. Uh, one, that, one that hit me hard yesterday was Arthur Smith was in Carolina to visit with Mac Brown and the football team. Arthur Smith played football sparingly at Carolina graduated and all that kind of stuff he comes back to talk to the team and i just wanted to look up and see how old is arthur smith he's three months older than i am which makes me feel awful which means he's four years older than i am and he looks like he could be my father (laughs) he does because he is aging like cheese uh jeremy's picks of the night coming up after the break uh it was a one and three night for Jeremy last night wasn't good so on the wrong side of a bunch of stuff but not tonight a a bunch of weird stuff green on green is coming up next here in the sportsocracy real estate isn't about properties it's about people I'm Clarissa Marshall with eXp Realty your native realtor serving all of western North Carolina 
I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. If cleanliness is next to godliness, look around the car right now. Is that very godly? Look, life comes at you fast, but so does WNC Auto Detailing. They have the tools to make your interior look like it's coming off the showroom floor. You don't believe me? Check them out on Instagram. All that filth and years of stains disappear. WNC Auto Detailing does full interior and exterior details with paint correction, and they do wax and ceramic coatings. Call WNC Auto Detailing at 455-3700. Premium care with a Southern Hospitality Touch. Hey guys, I'm Ziggy, your local Philly girl, owner of Ziggy's Bakery and Deli. I've created a traditional northern deli with only the most authentic cheesesteaks outside of Philadelphia, served with provolone, white American, or cheese Whiz. Our other classic deli sandwiches are made with the best quality meats and cheeses, available sliced by the pound. Join us for breakfast for house-made bagels with our custom cream cheeses. Or for something heartier, try a pork roll egg and cheese or house-cured lox. Ziggy's Bakery and Deli, in the corner of Asheville Commons, 1550 Andersonville Road, open 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday. Coffee's for closers only. Get them the money! And when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. And when you get the power, then you get the work. Last night was not a beautiful night in the neighborhood, so I'm going to give you a bonus pick here in Green on Green, so we'll have a pick on all four of tonight's Sweet 16 matchups. First, I start with a tweet from Darren Ravel. The biggest bet in America on the Sweet 16 today, 120000 on Texas Tech money line against Duke. Here's the shocking part. It was placed here at a Caesar Sportsbook in North Carolina. Oh, wow. And I agree. I'm taking Texas Tech in the money line to beat Duke outright. Next, the Chicago Bulls are a three-point dog tonight at New Orleans, and that is stupid. I do not in a million years see what it is that people are seeing in New Orleans. I get Chicago's not the same without uh, Lonzo Ball. They still have DeMar DeRozan. They still have no ability to stop him. This one's easy. I'll take the Bulls outright. Give me the Bulls plus three against the New Orleans Pelicans. Next, the Phoenix Suns are a three-point dog at my 2022 NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. And that's dumb. That's, that's dumb. Because, see, here's the thing. DeAndre Ayton is one of those players that can play out on Nikola Jokic. I feel like Vegas is just baiting me on a regular basis to bet against Phoenix, and I'm not going to do it. Give me the Phoenix Suns plus the three. Finally, the Toronto Raptors are home tonight to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are a five-point favorite. Over-under is 215. I am more confident on the under in this, but I have a funny feeling. Fans back in the crowd in Toronto. Cleveland is killed with injuries. I think Toronto's going to win this game, but what I'm all the way in on is under the 215. Slow pace, easy call. Under 215. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. And you take those wagers over to betus.com, betus.com. Use the promo code SPORTSOCRACY and get a 125% deposit bonus on whatever you put in, up to $2,500. Breaking this. Breaking news. Who's going to break the news? 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 
This is from Tom Pelissero on Twitter. The Kansas City Chiefs are signing former Packers receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling to a three-year, $30 million oh. deal with incentives could reach to $36 million. Yikes. Because apparently they haven't seen him play the footballs because that doesn't make any sense. Well, how can they? They're playing on the same day every year or every week. Good. Good That's night. a lot. That is awful. I thought giving $30 million to Russell Gage was bad. I'd say they're in the same ballpark. Mm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling can at least run real, real, real fast. Russell Gage ain't fast? Not like that. He's elite level, high end fast. Okay, that's that's a lot. He can't catch footballs though. That's it's the exact opposite of what Russell Gage is best at. Wow, uh, is I, I don't know what to do. And with Aaron Rodgers is sitting back right now with that that you know that that meme face. Like what? What? Why? Like, have you not seen him play? Yeah. I could have told you that was a bad idea. Because <laughs> I've yelled at him a lot. Yeah, I could have told you he's not worth $10 million a year. Wow. MVS going to KC. Today's a, a weird day for me. I, I'm, I'm wearing somebody else's pants, which that is strange. Is a weird day. It is very strange. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had to get some hand me down pants from a, from a friend who's skinnier than me because I keep losing so much weight on the PhD weight loss program. I'm also at the point where I'm going to have to start putting extra holes in my belt because I can't get it tight enough. I have lost darn near 50 pounds in four months on PhD weight loss, and I encourage you to join us on the ride convenience was what got me into the shape i was in fast food was always more convenient that's what i did and that's how i got to that weight now i'm back down to my high school weight i'm sleeping better and i feel fantastic and it's all thanks to the plan at phd weight loss we are uh we are putting better nutrition in our bodies now i'm getting more active we're dropping weight like crazy and uh, you need to make a uh, life-changing decision which this is this is life-changing for me i've always been in that category of morbidly obese official clinical term I would like for that to change, and PhD is going to help me do that. MyPhDWeightLoss.com. It's MyPhDWeightLoss.com. we got Tar Heel time with Jones Angel coming up next. Stay with us. He's a degenerate gambler. You are a smelly pirate hooker. And he's cheaper than oxygen. He's useless. But somehow, they make it work. Jeremy Green. Tank Spencer. There's no holding back in the sportsocracy. Presented by Ingalls Supermarkets. And welcome back into the sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. I am Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green's alongside as well. And it is 4 o'clock on a Thursday, so it is time for Tar Heel Time with Jones Angel joining us here uh, on ESPN Asheville, always live in the Ingle studio. Uh, you can hear us everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and, of course, see us everywhere on YouTube. Just go to thesportsocracy.com. Don't forget to click on the live video link. Hit the subscribe button as well so you can get into the chat. But Jones Angel... Welcome in, sir. And uh, have you been able to recover from the Baylor game? Yeah, that was a uh, that was a wild one for sure, Tank. I'm not sure I've ever seen one quite like that, uh, where the Tar Heels were were so good and so dominant for 30 minutes of that game. Then, of course, the the ejection of Brady Manick changed the feel of that one. 
and uh, a lot of crazy things happened over that final 10 minutes, and that was not the Tar Heels' finest basketball in that stretch, And but to their credit. Um, I know I even said it going in on the air going into the overtime. It, it was hard to like Carolina's chances at that point, and yet they uh, they found a way to do it. They clamped down defensively. Baylor was just one of 11 in that extra period. The Tar Heels hit a couple of big shots, uh, converted at the free throw line, and got out of Fort Worth with uh, a really big win. So now up here in Philadelphia and uh, just got back from the Wells Fargo Center a few uh, a little more than an hour ago after Carolina went through its media and practice sessions and now uh, getting ready for the long wait for the late tip uh, tomorrow night against UCLA. And we'll get into uh, the preview of that game in just a minute, but I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that Baylor game because uh, the the number one thing everybody has taken away from that game was the officiating was just awful, uh, and it, and it was you know it was slow, it was a hard fought battle, it's nothing against our players, you know the the ejection of Brady Manick though obviously turned everything and. I don't know what happened at that point because it was just the ejection happens and then here comes Baylor. Yeah, you know, I think a couple of different things happened. And, and number one is you have to credit Baylor. I mean, Baylor's a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made some some key plays in that stretch to get back in the ball game, hit some tough three-pointers, which allowed them uh, to get back in. You know, I, I was looking back yesterday, Tank, just at the – the actual play-by-play, like on the piece of paper of telling you each play that happened uh, during that stretch. And, I mean, Carolina was still up 16 points with like five minutes left and uh, still up seven points with a minute left. I mean, this was an incredible comeback on multiple layers from Baylor's point of view. And and some of that credit has to go to them because they made some difficult plays and uh, made some difficult shots. And, and, you know, that, that is not an easy thing, obviously, to come back from. The, the second part of that is obviously the Tar Heels had to make some mistakes, and, and Carolina did not shoot particularly well at the free throw line, particularly Armando Baycott, who's had a really good year, honestly, at the line. He entered that game 70% for the season, and he had been above 75% for the last 14 or 15 games going into that particular contest. But he just uh, didn't didn't convert. I, I do think he had injured his thumb a little bit earlier in the game. I don't know if that played a role in, in some of those misses. Obviously, those are pressure shots as well. Um, and they just didn't go in uh, when Carolina had a chance a couple of times at the line to close things out and couldn't quite do it. And so it, that's part two, is that there were some mistakes, certainly, that the Tar Heels made. And then part three is, yeah, I do think uh, there were some curious calls for sure during that stretch. And you know, what Hubert Davis has talked about, which I think is the right thing, because it's really the only thing you can do if you're the Tar Heels or any team, is that you have to react better to it. I, I certainly think there were some uh, controversial calls, some things that were happening on one side that were getting called fouls, that weren't getting called fouls on the other end. And, and I think all that is, I know it sounds like complaining, but I, I truly do think that's what happened. But if you're Carolina, you've got to react to it better because there's nothing you can do about it um, other than complain, and that doesn't really do you much good. And so, um, fortunately for Carolina, they were able to make enough plays, again, particularly in that overtime period, uh, to overcome all of those things and, and get out of there with a win. And that was the most surprising thing uh, of all to me. Uh, I told everybody that was around me at the moment, if we're going into overtime and we're going to lose this game by six. And then ended up ended up that, you know, Baylor still couldn't, still couldn't hit their shots in the extra frame and 
and, and the Tar Heels were able to close it out. I don't know that I've been more proud of this team this year than winning that game. Well, and you mentioned, and I've mentioned it too, you know, the defensive numbers, I think, kind of gotten have gotten lost uh, through what Carolina was able to do offensively in the two games in Fort Worth because the Tar Heels were really impressive on the offensive side, you know, particularly with sharing the basketball. They had an assist on better than 80% of their field goals in the two games, you know, scored more than 90 points in, in both games. Of course, one of them did have an overtime period, but, you know, still scored more than 90 points in back-to-back tournament games for the first time since 08. You know, a bunch of individual numbers, R.J. Davis with the 30 points, you know, Brady Mannix, uh, 28-26, Caleb Love had the six three-pointers against Marquette. So, you know, there were plenty of offensive numbers to pick out. Um, but really, I think the defensive numbers were the ones that helped Carolina win, particularly that, that matchup against Baylor um, down the stretch. You know, the, in the two games, Tariel opponents shot just 35%. Um, that's pretty low. And, and so for Carolina to be able to hold two good teams, and Baylor was an explosive offensive team, and to be able to hold them down for a large majority of that game defensively um, was impressive, even during Baylor's comeback. And and it's crazy to think about. You know, it's not as though the Bears um, were shooting the lights out necessarily during that comeback. They, their percentage improved from what it had been the previous 30 minutes when Carolina had just been spectacular in just about every fashion. Um, but it, it still wasn't as if, you know, Baylor was going 8 of 10 or something from the field. And so um, the, the defensive numbers, I think, were really good for Carolina and, and numbers that they'll have to try and replicate against uh, some really good teams that are here in Philadelphia. Well, it is Sweet 16 time, and uh, stat I saw earlier today that, um, you know, North Carolina is part of a group of 13, I believe it was, 13 uh, teams that have – made it to the Sweet 16 from the ACC that had an eight or lower seed. Only two of them have ever gone on to the Final Four, though. So obviously there's an uphill battle going on here for the Tar Heels, not you know, not just because it's hard to get that far, but also what stands in front of us. We got UCLA, who we were supposed to play in Vegas earlier this year. That had to flip and turn into the Kentucky game, which all Tar Heel fans wish didn't happen at this point uh but that's way in the past and this is a different team sure yeah i mean i think carolina is a different team i'm, I'm sure ucla is different and, and tank you want to be different you mm-hmm. want to be better you know you i certainly hope you're better on march 20 whatever today is compared to december 18th which is when these two teams were supposed to play the first time if you're not better now than you were then then uh, I don't think you're achieving what you want to achieve during the season. And so um, that that has been uh, a for Carolina is I do think the Tar Heels have gotten better as this season has gone along and, and, you know, better in every facet, whether that's sharing the ball, whether that's on the defensive side, whether that's uh, rebounding the basketball in total, uh, whatever that might be. I think Carolina has shown very consistent and, and, easy to see and easy to understand improvement as the year has gone along. Um, to your first point about uh, you know, not many teams get to the Final Four, I mean, you're right. It's, well, the number one reason why it's hard to make the Final Four. I mean, it, you think you've gotten to this point in the tournament and you're not even halfway to a national championship as far as the number of games that you have to win. And so you know, this is a hard event. And there's really good teams, and 
you know, Carolina just beat Baylor, and that's a spectacular win, and, and Baylor has a terrific program and is one of the best teams in the country this season. And they give huge credit to Carolina for winning that game. But that doesn't mean that now the next team's going to go, oh, gosh, you beat Baylor? Oh, come on through. You guys do whatever you want. Right. I mean, UCLA is a team that has a bunch of veterans that went to the Final Four a year ago that all came back with the, the desire to get back and, and take the next couple of steps that they were unable to take last season. Um, they've had a terrific year. Uh, they picked at the top of the Pac-12. Uh, th- this is a really, really good basketball team that Carolina is going to be facing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to make the Final Four. It, it's hard to win this tournament, and, and Carolina's taken the first couple of steps, and that's great, but, but there's still a bunch more steps that need to be taken. The number one question for Tar Heel fans, I think, right now is uh, looking at the opponent, Jaime Jaquez. Uh, is he going to be able to play in this one? He was apparently out practicing today on that uh, sprained ankle. Uh, they're still saying he's day to day, but it, I mean, I think Mick Cronin said it last last week. Uh, if he can walk, he's gonna play. Yeah, and Coach Cronin and, and UCLA just met with the media a little while ago, and. The word was that he was expected to to give it a shot. Uh, unclear how effective he will be, but that he is expected, uh, you know, barring some major setback between now and then, um, he's expected to at least give it a give it a go. Uh, and that's a that's a big deal for UCLA. You know, Hawkes is a really good player, and uh, and part of what makes them so difficult to go against because I think UCLA's strength on the court. It is their versatility in how they can score. You know, they, they have a lot of different guys who just individually can either score themselves or get the defense out of position to the point that then they can find somebody else for an easy basket. And, and Hakez is a big part of that. You know, he's averaging 14 points, six rebounds. He is their top rebounder, top stealer of the basketball. He's second on their team in assists. Um, so, I mean, he does a lot, and he's a veteran player, as a lot of these guys are. I mean, he's a junior, and so um, he's played a lot of basketball. He, he was a big part of their Final Four run a season ago, and, and that is uh, that that is what makes UCLA so tough, is that they do have all these older guys who have played together for a while, and, and that can really score. And so whether you're talking about Juzang or Campbell or somebody off the bench like Jalen Clark, uh, Jules Bernard, another starter. He's a senior. All these different guys have the capability of scoring. And, and one thing I think is really interesting, Tank, is just the matchup of the personnel as far as kind of how it's laid out. Because Carolina, um, certainly we know about the importance of Baycott down low and how big Greg Manick has been. You know, UCLA does not have a ton of size. They, they aren't a really big team um but they have a bunch of guys kind of in that six 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 seven six eight range that they'll run out there at you um that are all you know athletic players on the wing that carolina is going to have to guard now ucla is going to have to guard carolina's size also but kind of how that matchup of carolina's size particularly with baycott and manic you know how that matches up with with some of the the wing guys for UCLA because they aren't necessarily going to have a true post player out there very often. One guy that I know is going to be very very busy uh, coming up tomorrow night in this game. It's it's got to be Leaky Black, right? Yeah, and it's always interesting to watch to see who he guards. I mean, to me that that's always fascinating at the beginning of the game to see who the coaches feel like at least from the start, who they want him on. And, and you have to think it's going to be Juzang. I don't know that for a fact. But 
you know, Johnny Juzang, 6'7", 215 pounds. He's a junior. He's the leading scorer for UCLA at almost 16 per game, third best in the Pac-12. So, I mean, he's somebody that, that can really score and, and do so efficiently. He can step out, hit the threes, better than 35% from there. If you foul him, he's really good at the free throw line and better than 83%. So he, he is uh, he's the complete package offensively. And so, at least on paper, you would think that that's where uh, Carolina would go with Leaky Black. But, but don't know. You know, the Heels have moved him around a bunch here as of late, all the way from guarding Kihei Clark of Virginia in the ACC tournament to then moving him up to you know, Hunter Couture, uh, more of a guy who runs around screens to try to get threes. Um, when Carolina faced Virginia Tech, and uh, you know he's guarded some power forwards this year as well, and so you know, how Carolina maneuvers him will be interesting to watch. But at least on paper, again, you would think he would start on Juzang and then see where they go from there. Well, everything is easier on paper. Yeah, if you look at it on paper, it's going to be That's right. Right, it's going to be a super tough matchup for the guards in this game uh, for you know Carolina on the defensive end. And, and then you you and then you looked at the you look at the bigs like you said with uh, Baycott and Manic. I don't know that they have anybody that can that can stand toe to toe with those guys for an extended period of time on the floor. Yeah, it's the size is, is the deal. You know, Cody Riley is uh, their normal starter in the post. So he's listed at six nine, two hundred and fifty pounds. So certainly not a small guy by by any stretch, but. Um, yeah, I think Baycott would be more comfortable in the post um, than Riley would be. They also, they being uh, UCLA, also have Rutgers transfer Miles Johnson. Yeah, he's a big, uh, big wingspan, uh, Pac-12 defensive team member coming off the bench. Um, so he's somebody that I would expect you would see as well. Maybe play, and he plays a lot, but maybe play a, a few more minutes in this game if Baycott is able to uh, have some success down low. You may see UCLA go to him and see if they can use a little more size against him. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the guards. You know, Tiger Campbell, I think, somebody who's just gotten so much better. I, I remember Carolina, you know, played UCLA, and they've played a bunch uh, over the last, <laughs> excuse me, Tank, uh, over the last several years. Um, they played out in Las Vegas um, during the 1920 season when Carolina did not have a very good year or uh, team that particular season. And Carolina still won that game. And I remember thinking, leaving that game, like, ooh, that Tiger Campbell guy, uh, he's, he's had some trouble. But he has gotten so much better uh, as he has gone through his last couple of seasons. And now you're looking at a first-team all-conference player, really smart with the basketball. He led the Pac-12 and assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, he's better than 40% from three-point range. He's nearly 85% at the free-throw line. So somebody they feel very comfortable with the ball in his hands late in games that can score that can distribute and then if you have to foul somebody that can make you pay for doing that and and, and again i the the veteran nature of this team has to continue to be talked about this is an old group these guys have been together and been successful together yeah you know, they were a half-court shot from gonzaga last year uh, away from you know going to overtime in that final four game so uh, they have experienced a high level of success and, and I remember when Carolina you know, had that group coming back in 17 that had so many of the same pieces from 16 that had gotten to the national championship game and fallen short. Um, it, it's, hard to, it, it's hard to sell that short. When you have a, a talented, experienced group that came back with, the, uh, with one of their major goals to get back where they were the year before to try and 
um, take a step or two more and, and reach that ultimate goal. That that's a powerful thing. And, and while I certainly haven't talked to any of the players on UCLA about that, I, you have to think that that is a big part of their motivation and, and part of what has made them so good. Well, I don't know that you need at this stage any extra motivation. Everybody knows what's on the line. Uh, it's it's win or go home, and if it's win, then it is uh, basically March immortality uh without a without a big man were you guys on the broadcast booth uh last week is uh is is eric montross gonna be able to join you on the broadcast this weekend yes good uh good. eric is back uh, just in fact i uh, saw him uh, a little bit ago and we're glad to have the big fella back he unfortunately had to had to quarantine last week he went into the old health and safety protocols but he's doing okay which is great to hear and um yeah, we didn't have it all during the Marquette game. He joined us uh, via the telephone for some pre and half and post game stuff uh, for the Baylor contest. But he'll be back on site uh, with us uh, starting tomorrow night. The late tip, gosh, at nine thirty or so Eastern time, we'll be on the air at eight thirty for that one to get you ready uh, for Carolina and UCLA. Looking forward to it, and glad to be back at uh, full strength for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, so everybody at full strength, and uh, let's go to our heels tomorrow night. You'll hear it right here on ESPN. Asheville Jones, it's a pleasure talking to you once again and we'll talk to you next week hopefully we're talking about a final four thanks tank always appreciate the time you're in the sportsocracy here on espn Asheville, 92.9 fm 880 am and 1400 what are the best bets for the tournament this weekend in the sweet 16 jeremy and i'll talk about it up next did you know select Ingalls markets now offer curbside service shopping has never been easier with all the quality and service you expect from Ingalls. visit ingles markets.com to find a store near you and start shopping Hey guys, I'm Ziggy, your local Philly girl, owner of Ziggy's Bakery and Deli. I've created a traditional northern deli with only the most authentic cheesesteaks outside of Philadelphia, served with provolone, white American, or cheese whiz. Our other classic deli sandwiches are made with the best quality meats and cheeses, available sliced by the pound. Join us for breakfast for house-made bagels with our custom cream cheeses. Or for something heartier, try a pork roll egg and cheese or house-cured lox. Ziggy's Bakery and Deli, in the corner of Asheville Commons, 1550 Henry. Andersonville Road, open 8 to 3, Tuesday through Saturday. And welcome back into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN. Asheville live from the Ingalls studio and the most overrated band's bracket, the right side is winning. But just, just barely. Yeah, just barely. Um, Yep, they are, uh, we are at 53% for the chicks and 47% for the beatles. It is still salvageable for the beetle haters like me. Most overrated bands bracket sweet 16 matchup, the beatles against the chicks, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Um you can vote of course on the YouTube stream just go to the sportsocracy.com, click on the live video link, hit the subscribe button that'll get you in to the chat um you know again i have to keep saying with the beatles there has never been a a band in history that has had as much influence and impact on music in such a short amount of time as the beatles have most overrated band of all time jeez six years changed quite a deal actually in six years they changed the course of musical history yeah they took it from bad to worse from bad to worse (laughs) Music didn't start being good until when, Jeremy? Oh, let's see. 
when did it start being good? I'm going to say the early 90s. But then again, I'm... The I, early I'm a, 90s? I, I mean, I'm an old school hip hop guy, so... So it started being good around uh, MC Hammer time. Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? Too, no. too like. Uh, I mean, that's probably the right time frame. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're no, you're going for the grunge age. That's where it started. Nirvana wasn't bad. I, I, there were a lot of great bands that came along in that like 1990 to 2000 era, mm-hmm. and now it's awful again. I couldn't name a popular band right now, and I don't want to. It depends on... See, t- today, music's so fractured into genres that, you know, because everything's so on demand with the iHeartRadio app or or with whatever. You can, you can listen to only your music all the time. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to rely on top 40 radio stations anymore to give you the greatest hits of the day and i don't because top 40 is absolutely atrocious it's atrocious <laughs> Shh, the people from star might hear you uh, none of them are here oh that's right uh, trust me i get to when they're not here their doors open so i get to hear it you get to hear all of it i get to play a fun game of what is that noise because it's not good <laughs> All right, cast your votes now in the most overrated bands bracket. Sweet Sweet 16 matchup. The Chicks currently beating the Beatles as most overrated. There's still time. There's still time. Beatle haters like me, there is still time. We got the Sweet 16 coming up tonight. You got four games tonight in the Sweet 16. You're going to see Arkansas take on Gonzaga. You got Michigan and Villanova, which I think is going to be a barn burner of a game. It's funny because that's the one game that I don't think is going really? to be. Really? No. You think Villanova is just going to scatter, smoke smother, them. and cover? Smoke them. Okay. Texas Tech and Duke started out as a Texas Tech lean. Then it went to a Duke lean. And at least right now on betus.com, betus.com, use the promo code Sportsocracy. Get that 125% deposit bonus. It is a pick em between the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the Duke Blue Devils tonight. And then the night capper, 10 o'clock tip-off, Houston and Arizona. Why are we tipping these games off at 10 o'clock? By, by the way, I, and I know the excuse we're going to get, which is absolutely ridiculous. Primetime. You want them to start at 5 o'clock? Then let Gonzaga play at, at 10 o'clock at night. Right. Why is Gonzaga tipping off at, what is it, 7.09? 7.09. But the Duke game tips off at 9.40. And now look, I'll be awake for all of them anyway. It's just so stupid. <laughs> you have them on four channels anyway. Can we not stagger this to a point that the game doesn't end at 12.14 at uh, night? Are they really? They're all on four Four no, different channels? No, when you get to this point, they go down to CBS and TBS. Yeah, that's what I was So thinking. this week, we don't have to play the fun game of what channel is True TV again? There are, what, four days out of the year that anyone ever watches that channel? Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of Impractical Jokers episodes on that channel. Uh, that's the only promo that they kept running the whole time that I even knew what they were talking about. You ever watch that show? I have. It does absolutely nothing for me. Nothing. It's nothing. A, I mean, I, I used to watch that show when it was first called Candid Camera. That back in the nineties when music got good for Jeremy Green. All right, let's uh let's get weird. 
on the weird scale. There's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. Jeremy doesn't like little animals that can, you know, do him no harm. Birds, squirrels, they can do things like that. Uh, how do you feel about big animals, though? When big animals roam into Jeremy Green's world, how does how does that affect you? It depends on what form of big animal you're talking about. Uh, well, I've already seen how you get crazy over uh, the bears in your trash can when you used to live up on the mountain. Yeah, that, see, now they don't care. Now they're they're cute. You know, they do their they they live their life. We have Barry the bear that lives on our desk. I'm fine. Just they're fine. Uh, what if it was a mountain lion? Would you be okay with a mountain lion? Because the reason I ask this question is because uh, just the other day in Irvine, California, at about one fifteen in the afternoon, and um, a shopping plaza there called the Oak Creek Community Park just so happened a two-year-old mountain lion just starts roaming into the shopping uh, into the shopping mall. And, of course, sending everyone screaming and running. Now, look, I'm not a wildlife expert, and I'm not the guy to give out tips. But I don't know that running and screaming is a great way to react when there is a big cat in the, in the neighborhood. Could be wrong on that. But running away gives it something to chase. I'm sure you need to find a storefront to pop into or whatnot. Uh, the good news is, though... They were able to tranquilize it after about two hours of this thing roaming around the shopping mall and scaring everybody to death. They were able to uh, tranquilize it, send it back into the wild, no injuries reported. But I can only imagine the frightened look on Jeremy's face would be if you were faced with a mountain lion. Yeah. I watch Tiger King. I'm I'm not really... (laughs) You're not afraid of big cats? I feel like I could just play it a Joe Exotic song, and it would go, oh, friend. That's a friend right there. I don't know. And it would deal with the birds for me. It would deal with the birds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because say that cat can't fly. Mm. Now, if you had a flying mountain lion, now I don't want to mess with (laughs) it. I have long been a fan of chips and crackers. Mm -hmm. All kinds. But one of my particular favorites is the Ritz cracker. If you're a comedy fan, Mitch Hedberg once famously said, I don't love a Ritz because it's just a little edible plate. Well, that's exactly why I love it. Well, over the course of the last few days, a TikTok user named Ken Sean Carabello, he has started quite a stir. And I don't know what to do with this because I've been eating Ritz, Ritz crackers since before I could talk. Do you know why they have ridges? I've always thought it was weird. Like, you have to do that on purpose. So there has to be a reason that you do that. So on the edge of the cracker where it is. The edge of the cracker has a little perforation. I've always wondered why you did that. I thought it was just a design thing. Mm -hmm. Apparently it's not. Hmm. It's so you can cut cheese with it. He demonstrated this on his TikTok, and a slew of people have been saying, well, I've done that forever. First of all. Who are you people? What? first of all it's genius because i love crackers and i love cheese but i don't like carrying around a little plastic knife to cut the cheese now what i do is just eat just eat the cheese just take the whole block and just take a block and bite it i I don't care off yeah i i I love cheese 
But after watching these videos, I am completely of the belief now that the reason there is a perforation on a Ritz cracker is because it's used to cut cheese hmm. with no trash and no cleanup. I never would have thought to, to even try that. Best cracker. What is the best cracker? The best chip has officially been, I mean, it's new. I don't know how long it's been a thing, but it's it's a thing. The Dorito. Flamin' Hot Cool Ranch Dorito. Right. That's five words that are the happiest. It's just five of the happiest words in the English language put all together. Best cracker is the Ritz cracker. I see. I disagree. It's the Cheez-It. No. Because the Cheez-It does not require the cheese. It's just a cracker with cheese already in it. Mm-hmm. Especially the white cheddar Cheez-It. Yeah, I don't, I don't consider that a cracker. And I know that it is. And I know I that it's, say, it's a bite-sized snack. It? It's a bite-sized snack. When I think cracker, I think something that you can put stuff on. So it goes Ritz. Number two is the uh, is the townhouse. Uh, Scott Cudgell has the right answer. If you're going strict cracker, cracker Captain Wafer. Yep. Uh, huh. Keebler. Those, Keebler Club. Those with an oyster. A little hot sauce. Oh. Yeah. Keebler Club I could Crackers. I do that all day. It's got to have flavor, though. Worst cracker by far, saltines. Don't understand why they nope. exist. Saltine good, but peanut butter. Is. phenomenal nah Use now that a- is literally the only reason it exists is as a way to hold peanut butter to put it in your mouth right use a cracker with some taste to it oh the chicken and biscuit i forgot that too i don't even know what that's flavored with but it's so good it's uh it's meat bird dust i, I don't know what it is it's <laughs> but it's wonderful it is wonderful i have never eaten it with any form of chicken that wasn't chicken salad and but- goes very very well with uh any type of dip the chicken and a biscuit. You were correct. I was wrong. That's cracker number one. Chicken and biscuit is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, chicken and a biscuit with an oyster. I don't think I've ever done that. No. That would be tremendous. No, never done it. Do it a lot with my Brunswagger dip, and it goes wonderfully with that. And, you know, if you if this is making you hungry, go get your crackers today over at Ingles Supermarkets. Low prices. Love the savings. All right. Biggest bets in the NCAA, or best bets in the NCAA tournament. We already went down the four games that are going tonight. Jeremy, where does the uh, the all-seeing Flostradamus give us the best opportunity to make some money? Well, I'm going to give you the picks at the end of this segment. The, the bigger narrative to me is you're going to have three games tonight that are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Arkansas-Gonzaga is going to be phenomenal. <clears throat> Arkansas is a 10-point dog. Which is dumb. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but I do have a dedicated stance on it. Oh, yeah. Arkansas is the one team that I think was misseeded. As a matter of fact, I shouldn't even say it that way. I think the entire SEC was misseeded. Kentucky was too high. Mm -hmm. Tennessee was too low. And, of course, they threw that out the window when they lost to Michigan. Right. But I really like Arkansas. That's a very talented team. And I think they're going to give Gonzaga more problems than people think. And that number's been coming down all that. They started at 12 and a half. That's a lot in a sweet 16 game yeah. that doesn't involve St. Peter's, whose coach has one foot out the door and the other on a banana peel. Arkansas has the opportunity to pull the upset. There's no doubt about it. Gonzaga's going to struggle with that defense, though. I'm going to level with you. Arkansas is the best chance that Gonzaga does not win the national title. Because I don't care if they play Duke or Texas Tech, they will blow either one of them out. 
I would tend to agree with that. Gonzaga's just so disciplined. Yeah, Duke doesn't match up well with no, Gonzaga they don't. at all. And te- what Texas Tech does, they're too small. Mm-hmm. Chad Holmgren would eat them alive. Yep. Like Arkansas? tonight. Tonight, I feel like Texas Tech, they got a great shot at moving on. I feel like that, you know, they're they're tough defensively. They've got that, you know, they've got that mindset of, of uh, what's his name? Mark Adams, the head coach who took over this for past year. Yeah, right. Uh, but he was the defensive scheme guy for Chris Beard. And all of that still exists. And they're they're just as good now as they were when Chris Beard was there. That's the hardest game to prognosticate to me. Because you got to take into account the, the pressure that mounted on Duke when they played Carolina. So you cannot overlook the fact that the further in this tournament you get, the more likely it is you see that scared, timid Duke team. Mm-hmm. But conversely, you also have to know you're going to catch their best shot because the next one's the last one. That's the last ride for Coach K, and that's the one thing that binds them all together. Yep. I have chosen a side, and as I said in the first hour, that's that's the one that I didn't put in five on it because I'm, I'm not comfortable enough to put money on it. Mm-hmm. I gave the pick because I have to pick all the NCAA tournament games so you can take them to betus.com, use promo code SPORTSOCRACY, and make all your doll hairs. And I would go Texas Tech, but it's close. Yep. It's very close. Yep. On the uh, other side of the bracket tonight, you got Arizona taking on Houston. That's I, the game of the night. I don't know how Kelvin Sampson has been able to do this. Because he's a phenomenal coach. I mean, I get it, but you lose uh, uh, Sasser and Mark early in the season – and everybody just went, okay, well, there goes Houston. They're, you know, they'll, they'll still be a threat in the conference, but they're not going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And here they are in Sweet 16 going up against Arizona, who's a really good team, really well coached. They've got a whole lot of talent. How much of a threat is Houston? Oh, I think this is a, this is a 50-50 toss-up to me. Really? Arizona's good. They're very good. There's mm-hmm. been noise around that program this week. I'm never With the a TCU fan of that. Thing? I'm yeah. never a fan of that. When you start having to answer questions about things like that, it, I'm not going to say it takes your eye off the prize. It's just it has an effect. I like Houston. I feel like at some point Houston's going to break through and win a national title because I'm not sure Kelvin Sampson is not the best coach in the country. Really? You got to think what he lost. Mm-hmm. lost caleb mills who's now at florida state lost uh, uh quentin grimes to the nba lost two players early in the season and it hasn't mattered mm-hmm. they're still insanely good and they're so fast can't give my, my lean on that one yet but <laughs> i think that's the game of the night okay that's your game of the night i think villanova michigan is probably going to be the game of the night and that's the one i would say you could eat a whole box of chicken in a biscuit during because i think it's over 10 minutes in really why because michigan just doesn't have the horses or what? michigan is incredibly undisciplined incredibly undisciplined that's why i had them losing the in the opener mm-hmm. because I, and now I, it slipped my mind colorado state i thought a team that shot that many threes would mess with him any team that has colin gillespie yeah i'm probably gonna go that way he's the best player in this game Flat sure. out, and I don't think it's all that close. Mm-hmm. It's a college player. Hunter yep. Dickinson, I'm sure, will have a better NBA career. But Colin Gillespie's just, he's that guy. And you never can count out Villanova. Oh, I agree. 
you got a senior led team colin gillespie's best guard in the country that's the other part is that you have a ton of upperclassmen that play on this team and every time i watch michigan i see the talent but they go through these like eight minute runs where there is no deliberate movement on offense Mm -hmm. it's just run around and try to find a spot to jack up a three and to me you do that against villanova and you will get your doors blown off which is exactly what i think is going to happen tonight yeah i did not think that they were going to be able to get past tennessee when they did i mean i told you first round of the tournament they were going to get past colorado state because the 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 size difference was so great with caleb houston and hunter dickinson you saw if you watch that game you saw down toward the end of the game or right after halftime they figured it out they went oh wait we can't just trade you know guard shots with these guys we've got to get it to the big guys and they started feeding hunter dickinson and that's where everything changed i didn't think they were going to get past tennessee but they did i i mean i like villanova and i think villanova will win this game but i think it's going to be very close because villanova's in a similar spot to me that colorado state was they don't have the size to be able to handle those guys no but they're so disciplined Mm -hmm. they're so disciplined there's no wasted movement on offense and I just, I don't buy Michigan. Now, it shows how much I know. I didn't think they should be here. I didn't think this team should make the tournament. But you've won two games that I did not expect you to win, mm-hmm. and you're here. And unfortunately, I think you've traveled quite a long way to get absolutely eviscerated. I mean, is there anybody shocked that, I mean, truly shocked that these are the teams that are left? I mean, just talking about tonight's game. Now, you look at the leadership on all of these teams. And they all litter the top 10, top 12 of head coaches in college basketball. If you had picked a Sweet 16 before this season, outside of one game where one of them's going to the Elite Eight, Mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been a surprise in the bunch outside of St. Peter's. St. Peter's, Iowa State, and Miami. That's it. Carolina. (laughs) Carolina would have been a surprise for me. I don't know that it would have preseason being a sweet 16 team under Hubert Davis. I, 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 I just couldn't get there. I mean, I love Hubie and everything, but I didn't think they, they actually had the talent to be able to make it this far. And so now, and now everything's gravy. The, if you had told me the injury issues they were going to go through, then I, I would agree with that. But the roster at the outset was mm-hmm. deep and big and good. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't really surprise me that much. Now, if you watch the first, three months of the season then that's slightly a different story but i'm talking about if if we had done this in july right i feel like 13 of these 16 teams were pretty easy to figure out providence would be on the back side of that but ed cooley's such a good coach mm-hmm. and they've got older players that's a more vet team i'm not going to say i would have picked it i'm just saying it's not as surprising as the other three right iowa state won two games last year two two and they have turned that around to a sweet 16 berth. And if they can beat Miami, which they can do, they'll be in the Elite Eight. One of eight teams left in the NCAA tournament could very well be the Cyclones from Iowa State. That's just baffling to think about. All right, are you ready to give your picks now? Let's put five on it. 
This one's all college basketball. Yeah. First, Arkansas's a 10-point dog against Gonzaga. I love Eric Musselman, and I got 50 on it. I'm not telling you Arkansas is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be close, and I think this will go down to the wire. What might mess with them? I don't know exactly how they're going to handle Chet Holmgren. If he gets in foul trouble, I'll take Arkansas. This is one to live bet as this is going along. You see Chet Holmgren pick up a second foul inside the first 10 minutes. Now he has to play tentative. That's a huge advantage to Arkansas. I got 50 on it. Razorbacks plus the 10. Next, Villanova's a five-point favorite against Michigan tonight. I got 50 on that as well. Villanova is so senior-laden. They're so disciplined, and they're so good. I think they're going to take advantage of what Michigan has struggled with all year, and that is these big, long chunks of mental lapse time where they cannot get easy shots if they don't come from Hunter Dickinson. I got 50 on it. Villanova minus the five. Finally, the Houston Cougars are a one-and-a-half-point dog tonight against Arizona. That number should tell you everything you need to know because that feels like it's about four points too low. It's not. This team's really good. They're really fast. They're really good defensively. And something that I haven't heard anybody talk about, they share the basketball better than any team left in this tournament. I got 50 on it. Houston Cougars plus the one and a half. I think they win it outright. I was going to say, taking them plus one and a half, you might as well throw some on the money line. No. I mean, you can throw some on the money line. It doesn't change much. If you're going to give me that that hook, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll happily take that for very little fee. Take all those wagers over to betus.com. Use the promo code SPORTSOCRACY and get a 125% deposit bonus on whatever you put in up to $2,500. Betus.com, promo code SPORTSOCRACY. I'm Tank Spencer, Jeremy Green here as well, and we will be right back. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I am Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. The Sportsocracy. What are you people? On dope? And welcome back into the Sportsocracy here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. We've got uh, we've got an emergency in Denver. Mile High Stadium is on fire right now. Uh, just put out by the Denver Fire Department. Crews are extinguishing a fire in Mile High Stadium. Uh, unknown cause at this time, but the fire has affected uh, the suite area and the third level seating. The pictures are kind of crazy. Especially seeing as how there's nothing going on there. What what could that be? Who knows? Anyway, um, Sweet 16 action tonight in college basketball. And the only my my big hope for this next little section of the NCAA tournament is that the officials wake up. Well, I mean, the, college basketball has had a problem with officiating for as long as I can remember. It's because there's too many teams. You don't pay these guys enough, so you wind up with a few really good crews, and then you wind up with a crew like Carolina and Baylor had, Mm -hmm. of which the fact that they will be officiating games this weekend makes makes my head hurt. They will be. Uh, Not as a complete crew, 
they've been split up again. At least one of those referees I was reading earlier today will be in Philadelphia with the Tar Heels. Phenomenal. Yeah. So we get to look forward to that. Still, that uh, that flagrant two against Brady Manick has got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Top five worst calls I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then it was the Illinois game, the swinging on the rim call, the technical foul that for one a hold. That was pretty bad. I thought Brad Underwood was going to lose his mind. I'm surprised. And he very well should have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's just no excuse for it, especially late in a ball game like that to make that kind of a call when it just comes down to a judgment call. I hate that that's a rule anyway. Mm-hmm. No swinging on the rim. I cannot stand that call, and I never have. I I, can, I do not understand why that's still a, a thing. So it, it's to keep guys from, you know, showboating. Uh, and who cares? Who cares? The, Especially the in college basketball, which at times turns into, hey, can anybody hit a shot? Uh, a little excitement on a dunk? I'm fine with that. Right. Please do away with that. Because that poor kid was just trying to not fall on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, he and he was also trying to keep his momentum from taking him into the the yeah, stanchion. He equated that to Paul George as soon as they asked him that in the in the post game. I didn't want that to happen. Exactly. But there you go. It's a technical foul at the end of the game in a you know what would have been a six point game, and then Illinois goes home. Mm-hmm. Of which they should have the night, uh, two nights before. So, You're right. They should have. UTC was so close. I had them in the money line. So close. I haven't had a chance to complain about that yet because UNCA preempted us on Monday, and that was the first time we had been. Oh, I'm still bitter about that. So take us through your, your, your process. How many, how many remotes were thrown? Oh, I didn't throw anything. I grew out of that a long time ago. Oh, okay, good. Uh there were a copious number of obscenities said over under on that was 17 and a half and i think i hit the over with two minutes to go <laughs> all right tonight's seven o'clock games again gonzaga and arkansas and michigan and villanova you got texas tech and duke and houston and arizona in that uh nine o'clock window nine thirty nine for the first one and then nine fifty nine for the next one which means i will again not be able to see a second half of the arizona game oh i just can't I, do it i'm too old it. i'm too old i can't i can't stay up past I, half time. Owl, so I, i'll see it all i just it's stupid uh and does saint peter's have anything left <sighs> do they have anything yes they have something left i just this is usually where these stories go to die. Mm-hmm. That was cute in the first weekend, and now we know you're coming, and now you have to figure out how to stop Jaden Ivey. Right. Uh, I don't like your chances. Right. Oh, and your coach will literally be out the door the second you get beat for the major job that he has probably wanted his entire life. Oh, the Seton Hall job. That's right. And uh, did it, and he went there? Was that it? Yes, he, he went there. He went there and coached there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um What's his name? Shaheen Holloway. Holloway. Yeah. He played there. Yeah. And now with the Seton Hall coach uh, gone to greener pastures, then, yeah, St. Peter's probably will lose their coach. But I think, I mean, that's what this game is all about. You find the, the, you know, you find those diamonds in the rough in the NCAA tournament. That's what makes it great to me. 
is having all of these. This is where the transfer portal and all these older players on these, uh, you know, I call them lesser teams, uh, you know, at times. This is this is what makes it exciting. You've got all of these younger teams, the big power five teams that are just loaded with young one and done kind of talent. And then they go up against these veteran-laden teams that can just snake them at any moment. Enjoy the basketball tonight. Be sure to stay tuned on the YouTube stream as uh, we wrap it up here. We're going to have more of our post-free agency seven-round mock drafts coming out after the show today. We'll see you back here on ESPN Asheville at 3 tomorrow afternoon.